This is an ABC podcast. Oh, God. What have I done? I was titillated. Just a bit of flirty fun. So it wasn't really on my radar. So I just sent, you know, a little react. But I was like, oh, she thinks I'm hot. That's interesting. Very interesting. I'm Fazadraki. Welcome to Days Like These. Sometimes you just want to hear a really, really good love story. The kind that travels across borders and wears jorts. Yeah, jorts. Jean shorts. Beck and Freya fell for each other during the pandemic. Only for much of their relationship, they'd never met face to face. Or lived in the same city, or even country. They spoke to Alex Lolbach about love and yearning in lockdown. There's some debate about who contacted who first. I was living in Wellington, New Zealand, where I lived for my entire life, since birth. I had been vaguely aware of her because we had mutual friends. When I first saw Beck, she was in a panel. We'd both been at the Young Writers Festival, but I don't remember seeing her there. Beck's a comedy writer in Oz. And Freya's a Kiwi poet. She was like the coolest person at the festival. And so I immediately followed her on Twitter. She had no idea I existed. We followed each other on social media at some point, but I sort of just follow people. I didn't really, you know, take much notice. She replied to an Instagram story of mine. It was when my book was about to come out and I had some headshots taken and they were funny and cool, in my opinion. Um, we took them at a, uh, my favourite mini-golf place in Wellington. Whatever, who cares? So I just sent, you know, a little react vibe. And she replied and was like, a fire react? You know the little flame emoji? You might send it when you think something's a bit spicy or it's a stinking hot day or you find someone a bit hot. And I was like, was that a mistake? Like, <laughs> Why did you respond? And then she said, that was for your big brain, not your, not your cool hot photos or something. And I was like, <laughs> she thinks I have a big brain <laughs> and cool hot photos. That was like January 2020. Just before the shit hit the fan. Tonight, the coronavirus death toll rises as a man in Melbourne becomes Australia's first confirmed case. Social distancing. Social distancing. Australia's borders closed. Go hard and go early. The new normal. Everyone entering New Zealand will have to self-isolate. buying and hoarding. The situation here is moving at Our pace. everyday lives being turned upside down. Even with her life turned upside down, Freya's intrigued by their online chat. But she's unsure exactly what to do about it. Beck's in Sydney, Freya's in Wellington, and now there's a global pandemic well and truly romping its way down under. The two cities that might have once seemed close, just a short flight away, are now further apart than ever. Eventually, it's a pandemic-y kind of stream-of-consciousness tweet from Beck that ignites Freya into action. I replied something, like, really rude to one of her tweets <laughs> that that really assumed a closer relationship than we had. She just tweeted something about lockdown had turned her into a tea-drinking person, and I was like, nerd. And then slid into my DMs on Twitter, so that was when it all kicked off. And then we 
didn't stop talking. Didn't stop talking. We didn't stop talking. We very quickly acknowledged that we were flirting. I'm very bad at knowing if people are flirting with me, and it can take a very long time. But we were flirting in a kind of pandemic flirting way. It was lockdown. She lived in New Zealand. It was just, you know, a bit of, you know, flirty fun. Like little 12-year-olds on MSN Messenger. I mean, the first time I heard her voice, apart from when I had seen her be funny at this festival years ago, she sent me a voice memo. Hello. I think she was just describing how to pronounce some Australianism. It's goth, wet lum. I was like, (laughs) she has an incredible voice. She has such a hot voice, it's ridiculous. And then a couple of weeks in, we had a video call date. And like any good first date, there was preparation involved. Freya felt particularly nervous. At the time, I'd been starting to come to terms with my bisexuality for, um, like, a couple of years, very slowly and um, tentatively and embarrassedly. Even though Freya has the safety barrier of a screen, this is her first actual date with a woman. I wore my coolest top. It's like rainbowy, which is a bit on the nose. <laughs> but it's not it's not a tradish rainbow. It's like it's got pink and green. It, <laughs> it doesn't look exactly like a pride flag, but it doesn't not look like a pride flag. I was definitely nervous as I am all, all of the time. <laughs> I was sitting at my little desk setup where I pretended to do work during lockdown. Freya's very much a wants to show everything she owns in <laughs> in a show and tell vibe. I then I just I did my thing which is what I do uh, whenever I am becoming close to someone which is I I show them all my little things. <laughs> and I have lots of little things. She has some little toys that she's had since she was a kid, and so I met all of those. I probably showed her some freaking certificates I won as a child. And I also probably read her some of my diaries. Um, that's the kind of person I am. I just remember her just going through every item in her home. So I, then I did a presentation to her for, like, several hours. It's a really interesting way to get to know each other because obviously mm. the physical stuff is pretty much taken out. Mm. Um, that you would have on a first date. And that went for, I think, eight hours. Um, Our first date. (laughs) It was a full business date. And so my flatmate, just halfway through the date, brought me a plate of piping hot mac and cheese. (laughs) I remember it very clearly because it, like, burned a a mark on my desk. Um, And so then forevermore, whenever I looked at the mark on the desk, I was like, oh, true love. First... (laughs) (laughs) And I was like, oh, God, what have I done? Oh, no, what if I fall in love with a poet from New Zealand? <laughs> in the early days, she would read would read books to each other. We had, I don't know, a year's worth of conversation in a week sort of thing. It was kind of psycho how much we were shooting the shit. 
For my birthday, when we were apart, she hand-drew me a map of her house so that it was as if I was with her. Yeah, it must have just taken her hours and hours, but those were the sort of things we were trying to give to each other because we couldn't be together. Saying I love you for the first time is a huge moment in any new romance. It's really bloody daunting. On the day, I was like, God, the funniest thing would be if I called Beck from the toilet and told her I love her. I don't know what kind of mental space I was in at the time, but that was like, I was like, that's the height of humour. And I called her while I was weeing, and I forgot what I was calling her for, um, for reasons of inebriation. About ten minutes later, Freya remembers her boozy mission and calls Beck back. She's off the loo by then. Okay, so actually, there was something, there was a reason I was going to call you. There's a thing I wanted to say. It was amazing, and, you know, I had all the emotions. I've been in relationships where saying that you love someone is like a no-no at such an early point. Yeah, I was just, like, thrilled and, like, overwhelmed and felt a bit nauseous because I was so happy. And then she was like, I love you too. And then also I was like, oh, God, she lives in New Zealand. What are we going to do? I'm now in love with someone who I can't see or touch. They spoke on Zoom or Twitter or Instagram or WhatsApp or even just the phone at least once a day, every single day. Freya, is the video for Beck? Yeah. Okay, well, that will change the way I shoot it. Okay. (laughs) Ooh, look at that butt. (laughs) Whatever the medium, Beck and Freya told each other everything. The good bits, the boring bits, every tiny detail of their day-to-day existence. We had got to a point of, like, desperate longing. (laughs) It had been nine long months since they first saw each other on that video date. Our conversations were mostly just staring at our computer screens, which isn't even staring into each other's eyes because we're not looking right at the ca- If I look at the camera, then it, do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like the angles were wrong. So I ne- we never looked each other in the eyes. It was just like physically painful to not be together. I'm going to die if I don't uh, have a eye-to-eye moment with my girlfriend. New Zealand has announced what it's calling the world's toughest border control measures. New Zealand is shut tight. No one's getting in. Even when you're desperately in love, you're not getting in. Cabinet made far-reaching and unprecedented decisions today because these are unprecedented circumstances. And so, they make the decision that Freya will cross the Tasman and come to Beck in Sydney. And then when we started planning it, it was so many different emotions because I was obviously so excited and, like, really needed it. But also it was so stressful because of the COVID pandemic. People were like, what if you you don't like each other in person? Like, that's the kind of thing that did go through my mind. And then also I was so nervous because I was like, what if she hates how I smell? What if I smell bad to her? She doesn't know what I smell like. What if our, like, pheromones are off? What if they chewed too loudly or danced like a goober? What if one of them snored? Or what if Freya didn't like Beck's friends? What if their hands didn't fit right when they held them? So much could go so wrong. 
It was like the world's longest blind date. Waiting nine months and then having it go badly, it was like a possibility. Mm. For an eight-day visit, Freya would have to quarantine for two whole weeks after getting back to Wellington. It didn't put her off, and nor did the months of cancelled flights, constantly changing COVID restrictions and ballooning case numbers. I went to the airport to meet her and it was the most nervous I've ever been in my entire life, I think. So I was there really early. And when I went to the airport, it was literally no people. It was like a zombie movie or something, like Apocalypse. At Sydney International, I could not find one person. And I was so thirsty and my mouth was so dry because I was so nervous, but nothing was open and there was nothing in the vending machines. And so I went into the bathroom. (laughs) It has automatic taps and it only came on for like five seconds at a time. If someone saw me from the outside, I must have looked absolutely deranged. But I was just like going around the bathroom, like... Like getting little drops of water to try to drink. Because my mouth... I was like, I can't kiss her for the first time with such a dry mouth. Coming off the plane and going through customs and stuff, it was like just mounting extreme, ridiculous kind of excitement of a kind I had never... and I don't imagine I'll experience it again. It had been nine months of waiting and hoping and deep yearning. I came out the doors, then I saw her in a little backpack um, and a little jort. She was wearing, I believe, a yellow and white dress and she came out of the doors and um, I smacked myself in the face. But that was my body's... (laughs) Impulse. She just like whacked herself in the head and dropped my suitcase and just did a huge smile and just ran over. And then did the most ridiculous first kiss. It was it was real teenage. It was like bashed my teeth into her teeth. We like quickly adjusted, but the first one was like smash. Apparently the smells were okay even after a three-hour flight. I don't know, it was just like adrenaline and excitement, and then we got a cab. It was a beautiful evening in Sydney, beautiful pink sky. We are just like looking at each other in the cab, gripping hands, finally being able to hold on to each other. That's really the bit that's like burned into my brain. I think a few hours later, I was like, holy shit, like, I've been in love with you for so long. Now I can hold your face. Beck introduced Freya to her tight-knit community, consisting mostly of her ex-girlfriends. They had an amazing week of partying and sightseeing, but the most amazing thing was just being in the same room. It was Christmas. It was really romantic and also I was already thinking about her leaving. She was only here for such a short time. Then the goodbye We had no idea when we would get to see each other again because there wasn't any certainty about anything still. And, yeah, it was quite devastating. I've never been a big public crier, but was sobbing like she was off to war or something. It was so hard to make myself go round the corner where I couldn't see her anymore. And I hated it, and then 
we were we were real miserable for a bit. And we also didn't know when we'd be able to see each other again after that because then I think the borders shut again. The borders shut and opened and shut again, but Freya did manage to jump the ditch again just a couple of months later. Now, remember at this point, Beck and Freya have been chatting online for about 12 months and they've seen each other face-to-face only twice for a sum total of three weeks in that entire year. Tonight, emotions run high as the trans-Tasman travel bubble begins, paving the way for family reunions. Finally, a window opens and Beck sees an opportunity. Knowing that everything can change overnight, she moves fast. I booked flights to go to Wellington to surprise her because the borders had just opened and we were allowed to go there. And I was like, I'm just going to do it. Before this, Beck wouldn't have said she's a spontaneous person. <sighs> I honestly don't know what came over me, really. She feels better with a clear plan and likes sticking to it. But not this time. I think because we'd had such an awful time waiting and seeing if it would happen both times with her visit, the cancelling and the upset and the stress. Wouldn't it be amazing if I just was there one day and she didn't need to go through all of that? And then if it doesn't work out, she doesn't need to know about it. Beck made secret calls to Freya's family to suss out where she'd be and when. I was going to go for a week and I knew that she was going to be at her sister's. And so I was like, this will be great. I'll arrive, we'll hang out for a week, I'll come home. But I didn't obviously realise what would happen after that. I landed at night and went to the hotel and the next morning I got an Uber to her sister's place. And I was again really nervous. The curtains were closed, which I think her sister did so she wouldn't see me at the front. I was at my sister's house. And I walked up and it's sort of like a door with not see-through but sort of panels. And someone knocked. And I knocked and I heard... She yelled at me, Freya, can you get there? And I was like, I'm not answering the door at your house. Very sister vibes. I was very grumpy about it because I had to get off the couch. And I was really terrified in that moment (laughs) of what was about to happen. Then I got up and answered the door, expecting it to be like like a builder or a, I don't know, someone who comes to my sister's house. I have no idea, apart from me. And she opened the door. I opened the door. And had a very funny reaction. She sort of did this noise of recognition, as in, oh, it's it's for me, not for you. Hello. Surprise. And then she realised it was me. And there was Bic. I can see her standing on the doorstep. Once again, with her red backpack and her jorts. <laughs> it was so great. And then she sort of went into a fugue state, dropped all her things on the floor, just sort of making a sound for, like, 30 seconds. And then I started screaming. <laughs> it feels kind of out of body to remember while I was also slightly detaching from reality for a second because I was like, how does this make sense? 
How you live in Australia? What? <laughs> I had such relief that I had pulled it off. It was crazy, and the best thing in the whole world. I planned for a week and brought my big suitcase. I always overpack, which turned out well in this case. There's some anxiety this morning. The New South Wales COVID cluster has spread to New Zealand. Basically, as soon as she arrived, another person from Sydney arrived with Delta. An Australian man infected with the Delta strain of COVID-19 spent a long weekend in Wellington before returning home to Sydney and testing positive. So Wellington went into much higher, what was it called, alert level. Beck and Freya had to make a call. Beck would have to leave right away or risk getting stuck in New Zealand for God knows how long. And so we just decided, why don't you just please stay? Because I didn't want to leave until I knew that we could come and go or get back in because we didn't want to be apart again. They extended the trip by a week and then another and another. I think we realised maybe a month in that if she left, she wouldn't be able to get back in. The travel bubble between New Zealand and New South Wales has now been suspended. And then when the borders shut, I was like, well, I guess I'm here for a bit. So it was lucky that Beck had overpacked, as she basically had a year's worth of her best undies. That is so insane to go for a week and stay for a year. And it's also lucky that I did surprise her when I did, because I wouldn't have been able to get in. and It would have been a year before we got to see each other if I hadn't have done it that week. It was the third time they'd seen each other in real life and Beck was moving in with her girlfriend in a new country. This is the most U-Haul story of all time. I surprised moved in with her, basically, which is not <laughs> something I usually would recommend. Give people a choice. It was interesting because we went from never seeing each other to then living together, so we skipped <laughs> a lot of steps in mm. between. And as it's Freya's first same-sex relationship, it's a whole new terrain. The immediate thing that started happening was I would often comment on Beck being nice to me. What the hell is this? What are you doing? Why are you respecting my feelings so much? On their marathon Zoom date, as part of her extensive show-and-tell, Freya brought out her favourite book. It's by Sean Tan, and it's full of gorgeous illustrations. And I showed her, like, this is my favourite image that exists. This girl walking under the shadow of a giant fish, like a big, dark fish. She was flipping through, and I actually noted it down on our first date. I said that to her on our first date, like the one where I burnt my desk, and she got me a beautiful framed print of it for my birthday nearly a year later. She's like insanely thoughtful. She's one of those people. And I, and so I think by contrast, I'm suddenly like, oh God, I, I got to step up my game, man. I think the thing is, is that she's always been by default the thoughtful one because she's dated men. And with me, she just doesn't automatically be the thoughtful one. (laughs) Beck spent a year in Wellington, and even though it was an accident, it just worked. Beck and Freya are now living together in Sydney. And yep, 
Freya brought along a small selection of her most cherished childhood things. We just really enjoy each other's company. I never get sick of her. She doesn't. I don't think she gets sick of me. We just hang out and really enjoy talking and playing our little games and watching our dumb little shows. We watch a lot of Riverdale. That's a thing that I have introduced. I brought her Riverdale. She brought me kindness. <laughs> I have kindness. I had kindness. I had kindness before. I just have so much now. It could have gone wrong in a million different ways, but it was just really lovely. I was very lucky to land in this spot. So wonderful. Yeah, I'm in love. It rocks. <laughs> this story is from reporter Alex Lolbach. Our sound engineer was Simon Branthwaite. Sophie Townsend is our executive producer. The story was produced on the lands of the Gundungurra and Gadigal peoples. And if you haven't already, follow Days Like These on the ABC Listen app or wherever you listen so you never miss an episode. Don't forget to tell your friends. I'm Farzadraki. I'll see you next time. Hey there, it's Yumi Steins here, host of the smash hit ABC podcast, Ladies, We Need to Talk. Ladies is all about busting taboos around sex, health and relationships. We dig into the stuff that's actually hard to talk about. This season, we're looking at why so many of us are feeling utterly burnt out and how we can help ourselves repair when we're already running on empty. On the Monday when I was meant to return to work, I just couldn't get myself out of bed. I just couldn't do it. We're making a big stink about why women are so ashamed of farting. There's so much about women's bodies that are policed and it's sort of an extension of that. Oh, no, you can't fart because then you wouldn't be womanly. And it's like, what does womanly mean then? Does it not mean being a human? And we're tackling an issue that no one wants to talk about. What it's like to face your own death. I do allow myself to be sad, but I don't let it overcome me. You know, I've got five girls who need me and they are the ones who, you know, make me get out of bed and we just try to keep it as normal as possible. I'd love you to join me on Ladies We Need to Talk. Head to the ABC Listen app.